1: So 6.04, 6.05 a.m., and it is the George Show, but guess what? It's just minus George this morning, George on a little bit of a vacation-type trip, and so I get to be, at least for today, the next best option. My name is Matt Dunn, and I host the Sunday program right here at 710 KNUS called Backbone Radio every Sunday, 4 to 7 p.m., and I have to say, and it's great to see you, Billy, welcome to you as well this morning. I already got our audio up, and I come in with all these big stacks, stacks of information, which is one thing that I feel like I have had in common with Peter Boyles over the years is that I come in with stacks. <laughs> I don't know how Peter Boyles would lift all the all the weight of mass of paper material in here every morning all these years, but... Six AM is a much more civilized start time to a program, in my opinion, than is five AM and in the times where I was honored to come in and sit in for Peter Boyles during his long career around here. The five AM that was that was a toughie, uh being not a normal natural flowing morning person. But six AM works just fine on my end. And I look forward to sharing all kinds of great information this morning and offering a whole bunch of, you know, very moderate, very center, mid, right down the middle of the road type opinions this morning. And that was a revelation I had a while back is that I realized that, you know, I have become a moderate. I, I, am, I am a moderate. And does it depend on where you define what is a moderate, what is right, what is left? Because Joe Biden has gone so far left, the Democrats have gone so far left. Maybe even the rhinos have gone so far left, that here I am left standing, just right in that moderate center. Just Elon Musk and I. Elon Musk makes a big point about how he's he's a moderate, and maybe one of the only ones left. Just just Elon and I, the moderates left in the United States of America as the politics drift so far left, it's just almost even unbelievable as we live through this disaster of a Biden administration. But on on the good news front, anybody watch a little hockey last night? Anybody watch the Colorado Avalanche get up to a 3-1 lead over the Tampa Bay Lightning And I will admit, I was uh, reading up on the news quite furiously, but in our neighborhood we have some people that uh, have their TVs in their backyards, (laughs) on their back porches, and whenever somebody starts screaming or the crowd starts screaming in in the neighborhood, I know that a goal happens. So then I come up out of the man cave, what happened, what happened, who scored? And so I had to do that a few times last night, it was a three two victory in overtime. Three to two on the road in Tampa. And boy, I just I kind of feel like we're we're almost a team of destiny this year. I guess you don't wanna you don't wanna skin the catfish before you get it in the boat. But watching the Aves as I have done so loyally and so diligently during the playoffs <laughs> that uh You know, I I haven't watched the Avs this diligently and this loyally since the uh, last time they went into the finals, which I believe was about 20 years ago. Is it over 20 years ago? I think that was 01. It was at 02, somewhere in there. And I am enjoying every minute of this. And, you know, I kind of keep tabs on the avalanche. And I feel like as the sports are falling away from me, I'm one of these people that I don't really go for – woke sports all that much and the wokeness uh, as yeah elon musk calls it the mind virus the woke mind virus that is destroying civilization seems to be doing its level best to make it so much less fun to watch baseball to watch pro baseball pro football pro basketball go down the list of sports that have uh, you know become woke and feel like it's their duty to I don't know, have a hard time getting out the national anthem and the kneeling and all that stuff. I just I just somehow I just am I'm not in stride with all of that wokeness in our pro sports. But I would say hockey. Hockey seems to be less woke. And I don't know, Bill, if you would if you would agree with that at all, but I think hockey shows signs of being less woke than some other sports sports and I I'm pretty much in favor of that. I find that, uh, you know, maybe are we down to the last sport, hockey? Even golf is getting woke. Over on Backbone Radio, I get callers call in and tell me about how golf is getting woke these
2: days. And yeah, I, think, I, just, I think it depends on how we de- define woke. And I, I have a, a little bit of a different um, opinion than some people on this because I am an international soccer fan. And oh, yeah, I have that's seen, right. You're a soccer guy. Yeah, I, I have seen absolutely horrific abuse by fans of players. And so the teams and the and many of the leagues are taking a stand on racial equality and, and racial behavior. And I I'm okay with that and I think that it needs to be highlighted. And so I have a little bit of a different perspective because I have watched games in which you have seen players be mercilessly mocked by fans. I've seen games where an African American player scores, goes goes into the corner and is celebrating and gets things like lighters and batteries and quarters thrown at him and full bottles just thrown onto the field at him. Now we don't do that here. But I've seen that behavior, so I have a little bit more of an empathy um, for some of the statements that they make in professional sports because I have seen some of the horrific things that happen. Again, it's not here, but I, ha- I have a little bit That's more empathy on that end.
1: Kadri has taken a little bit of heat, uh, maybe a little bit on that front, uh, and he got the goal last night to get the victory in overtime. Yeah, but you know, I guess what, what I'm thinking about is you know the the way it is with the national anthem all oh, the all the contortions the NFL went through on all of that to just make that such a such a drag and such such a hassle and what like major league baseball did when they moved the all-star game out of Georgia because they felt like oh no Georgia's promoting an election integrity
2: law so we have to move the all-star game and you know stuff stuff like that. It's just it's, uh, I mean, the th- the cadre quad, the story was fantastic for another reason. Uh, dude was out two and a half weeks ago and had surgery. It was nuts, and the fact that he's on that field playing. Uh, hockey players are a different breed. I mean, if you were – I if have watching noticed it, this. Yeah, if you watched, uh, he got – it was a bad check and something that you're not – that you're taught not to do, as my father was a college hockey player, so we, we talked about this game a lot. And Kadri was too far away from the boards for the type of hit that was delivered to him, and it put him in danger. And he slammed into the boards, and he bent his thumb back really badly and had a thumb injury and had had surgery on it. And his back – two and a half weeks later, playing in the Stanley Cup final. The only other time that you would see something like that happen would be if you had an offensive lineman with a broken paw, and he would get it all bandaged up, and then he would play in the football game. But if it was a wide receiver, a quarterback, running back, defensive back, there's no way those guys are playing. It's a baseball player. There's no way they're playing. Uh, kind of a justice to see Connery come back in and be be the pivotal player. Yeah. In this game... You and if you know, saw the goal, the the, the, the the puck disappears. It gets stuck at the top yeah. of the net. It just disappears, <laughs> and you don't know that they've scored. And it reminded me... There was a, oh, a final number years ago where... I forgot the player. Uh, might have been a Blackhawk, maybe, or... I don't know, it might've been a flame or something. But I, I just remember he scores and nobody else sees it. And he's jumping up and down, and a couple of guys on the bench also see it. And everyone else is kind of skating around. and He's like, No, no, the, the puck's stuck in the back of the net because they're looking around for the puck. And he's like, No, no, it's at the top of the net. It's stuck it's stuck in the back. And he was right. But it was really funny when he was the only one that was jumping around. And I kind of it, it reminded me of that Well,
1: Kadri night. was asked after the game, you know, hey,
2: did you did you see your
1: shot? Did you see it go in? And he was like, Well, no. No.
2: Yeah. <laughs> most of the time most of the time. You it find went out, in. Yeah, when he, when you don't see the rebound then you know it's in i've heard that from some players that because of the scrum in front of the net that many times you don't know you've actually scored until after you realize oh that puck did not bounce off the goalkeeper and i don't see it coming around th- the sideboards. then something's in because you don't really see it so yeah
1: fitting in to that game i'll tell you what and but you make a point that hockey players they're they're a little bit of a you know some sports are more unreactive players, and some sports are more reactive players and i you know watching by the way, it seems like the injuries tend to occur in hockey when they hit the boards when they hit the walls um, I notice that or like direct puck contact with a with a hand like right through the glove or through some open area like right between where the pads are. that's where the injuries occur but but mainly hitting the wall somehow seems to send players into the to the locker room but hockey seems to place a premium on not like reacting a whole a whole lot they don't show a whole lot of emotion i noticed during the game unless in those moments when they're fighting or when they score a goal you score a goal you get all kinds of the jumping up and down and you know waving their sticks around right but uh baseball's like that too uh, kind of unreactive and the rule in baseball is that if you get hit with a baseball you get hit with a pitch or you know you take a grounder right in the ribs or whatever you're supposed to never touch the spot where the ball hit you right you don't you don't go like rubbing the area and act like it hurt at all you you just somehow that's like bad form if you do that and i i think that applies in hockey as well but back to soccer mr thorpe um soccer those are the most reactive players where i feel like you know you're watching soccer and a player could be out there on the field and get a hangnail and they roll around on the floor in agony for oh, yeah. minutes and it's, oh, yeah, it's like dumb. the end of the world you think that my gosh this they're going to have to bring a stretcher out for this person and we'll never see them again their yeah. family but that's sort of a different
2: ethic yeah that that annoys me though and and i <laughs> i it, <laughs> it really really annoys me and i played all the way through college and then beyond and I had a severe problem with players that would do that play acting. In fact, I had I had a reputation uh, in the college league where I was playing uh, with the referees, and they understood this: that we're early on in the game, and there's a clash between me and I was a defender, uh, myself and an attacking player, and the guy goes down and starts rolling on the ground. Many times they'd get called for a penalty. Okay, fine, uh, you know, free kick. We back up. The next time that player comes down the field. I hit them as hard as I physically can. I take them out. And they're rolling on the ground, yelling and screaming. And now the ref comes over to me. Hey, hey, that's the second time. I'm like, no. No. That's the first time. What he did the first time to you, that was acting. He does this again where he's laying on the ground, then I hit him. Now we've got an even line. Now we understand what it looks like. If I do that again, give me a card. He does the other stuff beforehand, he's trying to trick you. Uh-huh. And Bill, so, yeah, that's I would a long memory. Them. Yeah, I yeah. would hammer them for it. And, but I'll um, bet I would, you were a bit of an actor, play actor. and no, not at all. I, I, no. could, I could see you rolling around nope, a little bit never. On the ground. I would on. never Come do on. that. No, in fact, I would. <laughs> no, it's, that is not how I played. I played games with broken bones. I played games in which I had a three-inch cut on the top of my skull and went back in and played the rest of the game. Bill, you should have been a hockey bleeding. player. You it's, sound
3: more hockey well, than soccer to part me. Part of it
2: part of it is because of the way my dad raised me, because he was a hockey player. And you know, you don't you don't do that where you're acting. And I used to come over and I would taunt the guys on the ground that were behaving that way. I would give crap to my own players and tell them not to do that. I think it is one of the most ridiculous things in the game, and I think that it should be punished at a greater extent. I think there should be retroactive suspensions inside of games. Right now, there is a rule that if you're play-acting, and the refs have gotten pretty good at it, that if the offensive player is play-acting, they get carded for it. I'm of the opinion that if you're play-acting, you go down and you get a card for it, it needs to be reviewed, and then you are going to be suspended. That you get a one, two, three, four, or 5-game suspension based on the position that you were in when you acted and based on how badly you portrayed the injury i i'm I'm fed up with it. It's yeah, ridiculous funny how that yeah. is in soccer oh, I don't, I hate I don't it.
1: know if if that comes from Europe or South yeah, it's, America it's or yeah. like where did that it's- come from it's that's pretty sort of not at least well, old school American to no. see that kind of yeah it's
2: international it has to do reactivity. with it has yeah. to do with the idea that what you were trying to do is you literally were trying to fool the referee and you see it in basketball now they complain now in basketball about the flops basketball is decades behind the acting that soccer has and it's absolutely ridiculous and it's horrible and they do need to do something to clamp down on it because it hurts the credibility of the game oh um, totally, yeah. the, totally. The thing, the, and they and don't have it anymore not have to yeah. worry about this stuff
1: in no. hockey. It, I mean, totally, those, yeah. those folks—they, you know—they just get absolutely yeah. slammed to the ice, and they once in a while they'll shake their head a little bit, but then they get up and get back
2: in there. Yeah. In in the soccer community, there was something, and it's disappeared now. Um, but up until about a decade ago, it was the last time it really was prominent. Uh, there was something called the magic spray, and everybody who was a soccer player understood the joke. Average fans didn't get it. But everybody who was an actual player understood the joke about the magic spray. Because what would happen is you would have a player that was injured. And he would roll around on the ground. Oh, my God. I think I just broke my leg. My leg is broken. I can't possibly run anymore. And, you you've got to throw the other guy off because he hurt me so bad. Oh, my God. And then um, the trainers would run onto the field and they'd rub his calf a little bit and they'd pull down his sock and, and they bring out this spray. It looks like, you know, like aerosol deodorant or hairspray. And it's just a regular aerosol. And they go, pshhhh. And the spray is like, and he's like, "Whoa! it's all fixed. It's great. Oh, I can run now. It's some sort of, I don't know, every single injury. Miracle the trainer cheer. ran out there and pshht. Yeah, in fact, I had friends that had <laughs> t shirts for, there were soccer players that said, magic spray. And it had like, you know, it was like an advertisement for it. But yeah, it was ridiculous. And you're sitting there going, we know you're lying. You, you just told us you're lying. Stop it. Stop being such a. But, yeah, uh, well. the hockey
1: players, yeah. they, they don't have, like, zero need for magic No, yeah, they, they would never, yeah.
2: They would they would tear it apart and eat it. I mean, that would just be, they'd be doing, like, you know, like, shots like you were doing. You know, you'd do the, the shotgunning of beer. You know, they'd poke a hole in the bottom and drink all the magic spray. Because yeah. they're tough guys, yeah.
1: And I uh, practice dentistry by week. Yes, I'm a, a dentist for over 20 years now right here in the Denver Metro community. And, of course, you look on the sidelines of the hockey benches or during the games you know you know there's a minus a few teeth here and there and uh, I've done my share of work on uh, people who have uh, had close encounters with hockey pucks over the years and I will say this that and you see this by the way from orthopedic uh, the orthopedic community as well that in terms of uh, patients being just really just tough and unreactive and of course we don't want to test people in that front and we want to Make things just so gentle and sweet and comfortable, but the hockey players are just sort of known <laughs> for being pretty oblivious to, yeah. uh, to professional care on the dental and orthopedic.
2: I, I don't know prod, why which is a, which all, is impressive. I don't know why they all don't wear that f- full face cage. I don't get it because you're gonna catch that puck in the mouth. And there's enough people Seems around like that it that are used missing to some be toothless. the case, like a yeah. decade or two ago. But then they dropped it again. Yeah, they did. I don't know why. It must be something as far as when you're playing, there must be something that's annoying about it. But it was, uh, if any of my kids are playing
1: yeah. hockey, I think I would want the full face cage, maybe the full body cage. Maybe I would advocate even for that. But yeah, you've got a lot. Then they're of a goalie exposed <laughs> dentition for a puck flying what 110 miles an hour, sometime oh, yeah. around. But easily, yeah. By the way, I I finally looked this up. And uh, this is one I could test Bill on, but uh, do you know where the name Stanley comes from? We're talking Stanley Cup here. Well, you I know, know it's when...
2: Lord Stanley's Cup, but I yeah. don't know who the Lord. Is. Okay, I, yeah, yeah uh, you have impressed. You know that?
1: Apparently, the Stanley Cup was donated in 1892 by. Well, you didn't get the 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 all. Yeah, you got it's all. Lord Stanley of yeah. Preston. If I'd you would have C- gotten the, the Preston question. part, <laughs> yeah, I would have been kind of impressed. But he was then. The Governor General of Canada, and uh, that Stanley Cup was donated. He didn't call it the Stanley Cup, but it became that after some years after he donated it. He didn't say, "Hey, let's call this the Stanley Cup." When he handed it over in 18, but it's for Canada's best hockey team. And so, just to uh, put a cap on it, um, yeah, Avs are up three to one in the series. It's a best of seven, so they just have to win. One more game. And so we had two games at home. Then we had two games away in Tampa. And then we enter the 1-1-1 phase. So tomorrow night, the Avs play in Denver. And then they go back to Tampa if there's another, if there's a game six. And then if there's a game seven, it would be back here in Denver. And so uh, Denver, uh, Colorado, we had the home field advantage because we had a little bit better record than Tampa during the regular season, and I'll just say that my my sense is that we are the team of destiny. And it's do I should I be sitting here jinxing it, talking about the Stanley Cup and about Lord Stanley of Preston? I probably should not be doing that, but you just get excited, you know. And then you hear the neighbors all yelling and hollering, and the, their TVs in the backyard, and um, it's uh, it's it's great. And I even. Subscribe to a way to watch these games. I uh, I am a non-cable TV person. I'm a lot more passionate about radio and uh, other other forms of getting information rather than television. But you got to make the Avs exception. At any rate, hey, it's uh it's probably break time. I would assume at this point. And hey, it's Matt Dunn, the backbone radio guy, and I'm sitting in for George on the George Show. Honored to be in here and why don't we take a little break and we'll be right back and start unfurling a program welcome back matt dunn sitting in for george brockler this morning glad to be in here and bill i do want the best bumper music can you bring out the good stuff for us this morning I'd like you to surprise us, surprise me, surprise us with stuff. And I have to owe you one bit of thanks, Bill, because I've been doing some swim meet DJing and MCing for my little kids who are on the swim team. And I tend to do this every summer. I get called into duty, as it's a very lofty position to do music at swim meets. But one of the songs I play it's really good for swimming is a song by Dua Lipa called Love Again and that song has a few shall we say uh words in it that are better left not in the in the actual playing of it you know in public in my opinion but i uh i've actually worked at trying to clipping out those words and it's uh, not easy it kind of ruins the flow of the song but but bill you you showed me a way to find that song which was nicely pre-edited and calibrated so that I use it at the swim
2: meet. Yeah. You, if you ever was, have a song that you need, um, honestly, let me know because I will find you the clean version. Because you, I've got I have several version. versions of them. Yeah, there's, Exactly. Yeah, they're they're nuts. And In fact, if you're looking for songs the kids might like if you're DJing at the swim meet, um, it's kind of an old school callback. But right now the song that is really, really hot is Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush because of the tie-in with Stranger Things. That's a really hot song for kids right now. The other one to look now, at. Now, wait a minute. Yeah. I've seen that song. Yeah. I, that is an old song, right? Yeah, it 1985 was... is when it was released. Okay, because yeah. I
1: like, I know, that, why is this song suddenly back on the charts yeah, when I remember Things. that, like,
2: as a kid? Yeah, it's, Um, I don't know if you've ever watched Stranger Things, but in this latest oh, it's from season, a TV show. Yeah. One that's, of the, that's. Yeah, the, one yeah. of the main characters uh, uses it. As kind of their security blanket, and so it's it's a kind of a thematic song that runs throughout the entire first half of the season. So it, it's really important. Is so, Kate Bush yeah. still alive? I don't know. I'm not yeah. sure. The other one to look at is um, Harry Styles. Not the new single. His as it was single, as it was. Yeah, yeah, that is super hot. Um, Ed Sheeran's "Bad Habits" still tests. Yep, I well, used that one. I used really Harry old. Styles. I used. Um, is it One Direction? Was Harry Styles? Yeah, band. Yep, that was. Yeah, yep. that was his. And then he goes off, and he's he's got a new one up that's really good too. Um, Nighttime talking or something like that? No, is I, I don't know um, that one. But I don't know if it, I don't know if the lyrics. I'd have to look at the lyrics to see if it's um good or not. There are a couple of songs out there. Oh it'd be it'd be fun to play, but oh I don't yeah, not not for the kids. Not for the kids. Okay. Well yeah. The, yeah, I've got, more, yeah, I've got I've got to yeah. apply but if you the, like, the appropriate yeah. filter and it's if you like the Dua Lipa oh. though, um are you spinning Cold Heart, which is the Elton John Dua Lipa song. Darn right I spin good. Cold Heart. And by That's the way, one.
1: that song came out, I believe, when I was guest hosting for Peter Boyle's in yeah, you probably. and I found that song. We were talking. Yeah. about It was like the day it was released.
2: Yeah, that's and a really so good one. That, and that, that song. I well. predicted
1: that song's going to go to number one. It's going to yeah. go to number one. But guess what? It never made number one, but it's been in the top ten for like I don't know nine months. Actually, it and did make so... number one a number of charts. It did. did it? Yeah. I never saw it actually get well, number one at least not it's... on
2: Apple. Well, the thing is, yeah, because you you have Apple and then Billboard. Um, I've got industry charts that show radio spins, and okay. so I, I get to see where radio stations are playing them and things like that. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll That's see. Gotta I got to be the things. top song over the past year. You'd have to say that say, song, that one, or um. Bad Habits by Ed Sheeran. That's the one that is surprising. Yeah, me. that's right up that there. That thing is so sticky. It just, it is remarkable how that one just keeps going and going and going. It's and true.
1: Going. And I never liked that song when it first came out, but I'm starting to like it more lately. But Sigrid out of Norway does a acoustic version of it that I like better. And once I started liking that, then I started thinking that the oh, there go. Ed Sheeran version was actually better. But it took Sigrid to get me there <laughs> at any rate. Um, Welcome again to the program, and you know i I've got a bunch of information to be getting through, and I thought maybe I would at least point this out that we do have a primary coming up here in Colorado politics, and the deadline to get your vote in is Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, and I believe at seven p.m. you have to have your ballot in there. Okay. By the way, somebody just texted the studio, all those songs are terrible. (laughs) And that alert listener may just be right. By the way, the phone number, 303-696-1971. But the primary coming up, we do have to get our votes in. And just on the mechanics of it, you just need to make sure that if you are a registered R, that you got your envelope with your R ballot in it. If you should happen to be a registered D, you'll probably have a D ballot in your envelope. But if you are registered U, you should have both an R and a D. You should have two different ballots in your envelope. And you have to choose one of them. You can't send in both of them. And if you were to take your D ballot, if you're a U voter, unaffiliated, and you were to write in R's, then that ballot will be thrown out. I've been talking to some election judges and people like that, just making sure I could be somewhat useful on these mechanics. So, um, and if you are, you know, if you're a you but you fill in your Democrat ballot and you start writing in Republicans on there, that's not gonna work. And if you but if you're a you and you take your Republican ballot and start writing in Democrats, that won't work. So you might just be double checking and and making sure you've got all the right stuff ready to go. I always counsel, don't turn your ballot in too early because, I don't know, you never know what happens to these things. And if you do it the day of, drop it off the day of, I don't know, maybe the day before is acceptable. But I will say this, that a a primary vote, your vote never has more impact than in a primary because it's a smaller pool of voters. And uh, your vote matters, especially in a primary. Now, of course, we've got a handful of candidates running and uh, being as the savvy politician that I am, I try to stay out of primary stuff. I just somehow feel like it's always been my policy at backbone radio to, um, not get too far into primary scenarios. And I, I think that just kind of makes sense. I just think this is the time to just let voters have their debates and let, let voters let it play out. And, um, but i do offer here and there some editorial comments and if i see something really egregious of course i try to just jump in and gin up some conversation about it but i do like this that in the republican party in colorado we actually have real debates i mean we really go after each other i mean that and that's a sign of health that's a sign of health, believe it or not. You know, everyone says, "Oh, the Republicans are always after each other and then they just can never get along afterwards." But that still remains healthier than the way the Democrats do it, which is the top down, the people on top decide what goes, and there's never anything contested. They never really have a interesting race for anything. There's never really much going on at what they had a virtual state Democratic convention this year. It's good to have the debates. It's good to have everybody after each other, but of course it is you know helpful to come together in the aftermath of the primary, which would be a really nice thing, and especially in a year where we have a chance to actually turn the state somewhat rather red and I'll detail more about that as the program goes on. Do you see what happened to Myra Flores, the Republican flipped the a permanent Democrat seat in South Texas the other day. Holy cow, that's got the Colorado Democrats nervous, folks. They have got to be feeling the squeeze. So if we can just keep ourselves together, and now I always say this, that it has to apply both ways. If the establishment gets their person, they want you know the non-establishment Republican voter to go with the establishment candidate. But should a non-establishment candidate win the Republican nomination, we need to have the establishment get all on board with it and go for it and, yes, send in the money and do everything required to help turn this state red. It must go both ways, and I've been concerned at times that it sometimes doesn't go enough both ways, so I really do want to see that. Um, By the way, Thomas Jefferson has... So many great statements, and I have a whole bookshelf of Thomas Jefferson in my man cave. But he says this, quote, back in the day, timid men prefer the calm of despotism to the boisterous sea of liberty. And that's what we have in the Republican Party, at least to an extent, is the sea of liberty, rather boisterous. Whereas the calm of despotism, that makes me think Democratic Party. Yeah, it surely does But of course, the Colorado Senate, Ron Hanks versus Joe O'Day, Colorado Governor, Heidi Ganahl versus Greg Lopez. And you've heard George Brockler do some wonderful interviews with, I believe, everybody. Am Am I not incorrect in that, Bill? Yeah, everybody has been covered in all the different races. And I've really learned a lot from listening to those interviews, which has been quite helpful. And... I guess I would say this, that, uh, you know, each of the candidates for the the big races, they seem capable enough to me. They seem competent enough for me. And I think that no matter who wins, no matter which Republican wins any of these races, the media, the Democrat media, of course, is going to turn them into the devil incarnate. So – whether it's Ron Hanks or Joe O'Day for Senate or whether it's Heidi Ganahl or Greg Lopez, they will be turned into evil, evil, just atrocious human beings by the media, okay? And it doesn't matter. You're not going to sneak anything or anyone by the media. It just doesn't work that way. You can't like sort of nice your way through stuff or you can't sort of not say stuff or Um, find ways to finesse it so that the media might be nice to you. Oh, that's just not going to happen. So make sure that uh, we just sort of know that. And so a lot of, I think, the positioning of uh, so-and-so is more electable, so-and-so can't win, a lot of that, and people need to realize, is really inside baseball for people like us, who follow every detail and follow every nuance and know all of the minute policy things about this, that, and the other. But most voters don't do that. Most voters are going to see, like, the R or the D, or they will get, like, one little impression or a few little more superficial impressions of what's going on, and then they'll make the choice. So... Let's make sure that those of us who are, uh, you know, political files, should we say, um, people who know too much about politics, that we don't get lost in those weeds. And also, I like to add that I do not think that there are, frankly, any political experts in Colorado, especially on the Republican side of the equation. I, I just don't I don't feel I see experts around. And if you add up any political expert's career and track record in politics, especially in Colorado, they're going to have as many misses as hits, at least, and probably more misses given that our state has migrated from being pretty solidly red to being pretty solidly blue over the past, what, 10, 15-plus years? And so that's where I just kind of come down and say that uh, just vote for who you feel like. Vote, vote for what makes sense to you. Vote for what uh, you think has the best chance in your mind of satisfying the reason why you bother to vote in this state and in this republic. But the one thing I just make sure to say is you know, make sure you do vote. Make sure you do it. Just just do it. I know that's like kind of irritating to hear people say, that. oh, go vote, whatever. But, yeah, just do it. I mean your primary vote is extremely influential, Okay. And you're seeing the signs up everywhere, and I don't know. One one point I might make is that uh, you're hearing a lot of talk that, uh, oh, the Democrats really want Ron Hanks to win and that they're spending money and supporting Ron Hanks, and I'm getting the text messages and all that. And so I start thinking about that and I say, well, um, is that the case? Because I, I'm hearing all the Republicans saying, well— You know, uh, Democrats want Hanks to win, so we should probably vote for the other guy, right? But could it be some reverse psychology? I mean, could it mean the opposite? Like if if Republicans know the Democrats are supporting so-and-so, could the Democrats trying to be maneuvering Republican voters to do the opposite of that? Does that make sense? Anyway, I just kind of wonder if, you know, the reverse psychology could apply – And this is where I say, this is where, again, in the weeds, you don't want to overthink it. Just get a sense of all the different candidates and and just cast your ballot wherever you feel like. And I don't think experts or anybody else should be able to sort of have that much influence over you. And that means me included. I don't consider myself an expert, Uh, just just a novice and just a practicing dentist in the community who happens to be a little bit of a political obsessive uh, going back to when I was about in seventh grade. Yes, I started reading National Review and William F. Buckley Jr. in seventh grade, which means that I, I can't claim to have been the coolest kid <laughs> in middle school. And, uh, and then when I went on to Cherry Creek High School, I, I don't think I was the, the coolest kid there either. I, maybe I was in the top two or three, but definitely not the coolest, um, unless, of course, you think that political encyclopedia you know, uh, juveniles are, are on the cool spectrum. Anyway, but if anybody, um, as the show goes on, has any any commentary on a a candidate that they like for Senate, for governor, secretary of state or the other races, just know that uh, we're all ears around here. If you'd like to advocate for somebody or against somebody, because we're getting down to crunch time and we do have a very good chance, I think, to make some progress in the reddening of Colorado in this twenty twenty two cycle. Biden's at thirty three percent approvals, folks. That's insanely low. that's like worse than Carter low. At any rate, Matt Dunn in for George Brockler. Let's gather all this back up when we Matt Dunn in for George Brockler this morning. Six fifty two AM and I just had to close the blinds. This is the sun was glaring at me rather intensely as we've just passed the summer solstice, the longest days of the year. That's one thing that never happens when I host backbone radio, four to seven PM. I don't get that Eastern rising sun. At any rate, honored to be in here. And why don't we go to the phone line, say a little hello to Joe in Arvada? Joe in Arvada, thank you for checking in. Welcome to the program.
3: Good morning, Matt.
1: How are you, Uh, sir?
3: Good, good. I hope you're watching The Chosen. Um, it's wait has out, the new, new season coming new out season. come out yet no no not yet they're filming they're
1: okay i 've watched the first two seasons so. with the whole family, all the four kids, and they love it, man and I credit you with uh, turning me on to it so
3: oh man, my heart just swelled a little bit well
1: it really should because and it 's funny that the, when the kids like something when we finish an episode they want to can we watch another one can we stay up and watch another one and that's i mean they were doing that with every single episode of the chosen and I just love seeing that
3: that's fabulous. Yeah. Uh, well, voting is a is almost always a binary choice, and I think if even in the Republican primary, if you look, I mean, there's basically you go down the ballot, you you only have a couple choices. Um. You know. Yep. Really. Uh. The, the I'm talking about for the Republican. Uh, yep. Party. The 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 only real I think two choices there are on the. The ballot are between uh, Joe O'Day and Ron Hanks for Senate, and then you've got for Governor uh, uh, Greg Lopez and Heidi Genall. Right. And so, so here's the question: You know, we've we've been moving in this wokeness direction forever. I, in Colorado, I, I grew up here in the in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And and it was a complete different world. Anybody who is here in the you know 60s and 70s True. knows that Colorado is reversed. It 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 is headed it's, in a direction yeah. that is a catastrophe. It's
1: in decline. We've been uh, Californicated and uh, and worse in some things. But uh, it looks like we've got 60 seconds left. Do you wanna do you wanna okay. advocate for anybody well, or another?
3: We need to do something different, and and they won't solve the problem. They'll just move the football a little bit the other way. That's Ron Hanks and Greg Lopez. We need to go back to conservative government, fiscally and otherwise, I mean, look, they're not going to change the main things in Colorado. They're not going to go and reverse the abortion r- rules. Sure. They're going to move the football maybe a little bit fiscally the other way and stop some of this wokeness. That's okay, so, so you're,
1: you're, you're preferring football. Hanks Lopez for your ballot, which is due next Absolutely. Tuesday. Okay, right on. Right on Joe in Arvada and uh, let's be staying close uh, keep 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 up with the tips for me if you would and we'll be right back.
3: Awesome.